Amen. You may be seated. Beautiful. Beautiful singing, but uh, even more beautiful truth on that. Um, we should never be discouraged. I'm going to go ahead and turn on my microphone one of these days. Um, but uh, that is the key. Is The thing is, is we get discouraged and we stay discouraged because we don't take our burden to the Lord and leave it there. And so the encouragement is uh, to... Uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Take everything to the Lord in prayer. Um, we, uh, we learned uh, several, uh, several months ago as we were going through the book of Philippians to turn every care into a prayer. Because um, remember in, a fee, in Philippians chapter number uh, 4 and verse number, almost there, uh, verse number 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So when we have something in our lives that we're, um, that's causing us to care, and uh, the idea of careful here is that you're just like so concerned and worried and fretting and panicking over it. He says, be careful for nothing, but in, but ev- but in everything by prayer and supplication. When we do that, then the peace of God comes into our life and the discouragement goes away. So if you're discouraged, that's, uh, that's your cue, okay, to go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, that's, that's, that's your, you know, trigger to go to the Lord in prayer. And then once you do, boy, uh, that, that peace of God comes into our hearts and lives. That's not the sermon. That's the sermon. That's the appetizer before the main course, Okay. Uh, let's get into the main course here. First uh, Kings chapter number 18 is where we're going to be tonight. Uh, but that song just kind of provoked that in my heart, uh, just to kind of reiterate that. All right. First Kings chapter number 18. Uh, we're going through the life of Elijah. Uh, this is the third message in this series. And uh, the stage has been set. I'm going to go through a quick little review here and then uh, well, let me go ahead and uh, just bring us back up to speed, and then we'll read this passage and, uh, and get into it. So just a reminder, and, and for those who haven't been here, uh, this is your first night in the series. Uh, Israel had forsaken the Lord during the reign of King Ahab. King Ahab did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, and uh, as a result of the uh, idolatry and disobedience of Ahab, uh, God sent the prophet Elijah to announce uh, to Ahab and to the nation of Israel that they would experience and endure a drought. And uh, so uh, Elijah goes and delivers that message, and then God takes care of Elijah um, through a brook and some ravens that uh, were the first delivery, uh, food delivery service. I mean, you thought Uber Eats was... Good. I mean, these ravens took care of Elijah, brought him food each morning and evening, and he didn't have to tip them. I mean, this was great. The Lord took care of Elijah uh, through through that. Well, once the brook dried up due to the drought that they were experiencing there, uh, the Lord sent Elijah to go to a Gentile town named Zarephath, where a widow woman would take care of him. And Elijah immediately obeyed, and each time God told him to do something, uh, we saw in chapter 17 how he, uh, and he went. 
and he obeyed right away. I mean, there was no hesitation. There was no argument. There was no debate. Elijah simply obeyed the word of the Lord. And the encouragement there for us was, as we hear the word of the Lord, to obey immediately as well. And uh, if we hesitate and we debate and weigh the pros and cons of it all uh, and, and, and procrastinate obey, obedience, uh, then, then we don't see some of the blessings that Elijah saw because he obeyed right away. Um, and then uh, when he gets to this town, Zarephath, God miraculously provided for both Elijah and the widow woman and her son. And uh, you can read chapter 17. I won't go into that whole story again, but um, the Lord did miraculously provide there. Well, after some time, that son died. Uh, the widow woman blamed Elijah and thought that God sent Elijah to uh, cause that to happen because of some previous sin in the widow's life. Uh, but Elijah... Uh, instead trusted the Lord to bring him back to life, and uh, God did. First person brought back to life from the dead in the Bible uh, was the, uh, the son here in uh, 1 Kings chapter 17. Well, after three years, the Lord shows his mercy and bids Elijah to give a message to Ahab that he would send rain again upon the land. And as Elijah heads to Ahab, he encounters a man named Obadiah. And last Wednesday night, we looked at this little-known, little-talked-about uh, man in the Bible named Obadiah. Not the same Obadiah that wrote the book of the Bible, Obadiah, uh, but uh, a different, a different God-fearing man uh, who was the governor of Ahab's house, who previously, uh, the Bible records how he hid 100 prophets of God in a cave uh, when Jezebel desired to kill them. Well, Obadiah and Elijah have this conversation. Elijah says, hey, can you please tell you know, your boss, the king, that I'm here? Obadiah is reluctant to do so uh, because he was afraid that uh, once he said Elijah was there, then Elijah, God would wisp Elijah away, um, and then Ahab would kill Obadiah for giving a false, uh, false announcement. But, uh, but he decides to go after Elijah reassures him and and so uh, it's now Ahab and Elijah. And during this awkward meeting, Ahab immediately blames Elijah for causing all the trouble in Israel. Uh, if your Bible is open to chapter 18, if you look in verse number 17, at the end of that verse, he says, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? So he immediately blames Elijah for causing this drought. When it wasn't Elijah at all, Elijah was simply uh, being obedient to God, had nothing to do with causing uh, he was just the messenger. And, uh, you know, a lot of times the messengers get the brunt of the blame when we're just trying to be obedient to do what God's called us to do. And uh, there's a... Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to mess it up, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip over it and maybe uh, cover that thought a little bit more later uh, when, I have, uh, when I have it in my brain. Um, but uh, so... Ahab says to Elijah, you're the, you're the troublemaker. And uh, verse number 18, Elijah boldly says, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, and that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and hast uh, followed Balaam. So he uh, uh, says the complete opposite and says, I'm not the troublemaker. Ahab, you need to look yourself in the mirror because you're trying to find out who caused this. You're the one, my friend. And uh, then he tells Ahab in verse number uh, 19 to gather all the false, false prophets for the ultimate 
showdown. And that leads us to where we're at tonight. And uh, let's pick it up in verse number 20. The Bible says this, So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, and this is a huge, big question here, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. How sad. How sad. I mean, this, he, was, he wasn't just talking to the prophets there. He was also talking unto all the people. So he's talking to his, his hometown, his, his, his nation, his people. How long halt ye between two opinions? And uh, the people, I didn't say a word. They should have said, you know what? we got to stop this Baal worship, and we need to start following God. But instead, there was silence. Verse 22, then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. Now, let me stop there and call a quick time out. Was that, is that accurate? No. And we're going to find that out in chapter 19. We're going to find out that actually there were 700 prophets who did not bow the knee uh, to Baal. Uh, but Elijah was the only one at that moment that was right there. All the other prophets were elsewhere. And, uh, and, and he was kind of feeling like he was flying solo. And uh, I've been there. Uh, in situations where I kind of felt like, man, I'm kind of like the only one here that is representing the Lord here. Uh, I've been there. Well, Elijah uh, said to the people, I, even I, only remain a prophet of the Lord, but Balaam's prophets are 450 men. Not exactly great odds. Although, when you're on the Lord's side, it doesn't matter how outnumbered you are. You're on the majority. You're on the winning side. And uh, we've seen that several times throughout the Old Testament. And, of course, um, we know that God is more powerful than any number of people. Even, even the last moment uh, of this world before the uh, great white throne judgment, this mass of humanity is going to come together to try to overthrow the Lord. And, uh, I mean, the, Satan's going to organize this huge uh, movement to come and, and uh, you know, overthrow, overthrow Jesus and overthrow the people of God and... and uh, the Lord's just going to uh, burn them up, I mean, just in a moment. And uh, it's just kind of nonchalant how the book of Revelation uh, records what's going to happen. It's like, and they were destroyed, they will be destroyed. It's like, wow, okay. But, but after all this organization that, so, so here Elijah, rep, the only representative, he, he's, he's Mr. Confident, not in himself, but in the fact that he serves the Lord, Okay. Um, and then uh, verse 23, let them therefore give us two bullocks. Let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces, laid on wood, put no fire under, and I will dress the other bullock and laid on wood and put no fire under. And here's, here's the deal. And call ye on the name of, the, of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. So here we go. We have one of the most exciting and dramatic displays in all of the Bible, the showdown on Mount Carmel. Here we go. And in this thrilling event, we're actually going to see Elijah's faith under fire. All right. 
Uh, now the key question here is in verse 21 where he says, How long halt ye between two opinions? The people there in Israel were both following the Lord, trying to worship God, but also they were worshiping Baal because that had crept into the nation and it was popular. And so they thought, well, maybe we do a little bit of both. It's like the Christian who says, well, I'll read my Bible, but I'll also read my horoscope. It's the Christian who says, well, I'll, you know, I'll go and I'll go to church, but I'll also go to a palm reader. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're just, they're torn. They're on the fence. They're trying to do both. And, uh, the, the encouragement that, that Elijah said here, and, and I guess I'll, I'll repeat it to you as a preacher as well. Stop straddling the fence. You pick a side. Um, I guess here in Oklahoma, it's really kind of, you can't really be a OSU fan and an OU fan. You got to pick a side. Um, I'm kind of both, actually. <laughs> so I kind of need this message tonight. This is for me, okay? No, I don't really care too, too much. Um, I guess I, if I had to pick a side, I would pick the Sooners. Um, but uh, here's the deal. When it comes to our faith, uh, we got to choose. Are we going to worship God or are we going to worship uh, someone else? We, we can't serve both. Uh, Jesus said it this way in, in, in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, you cannot serve God and mammon. Uh, you need to, no man can serve two masters. And, and that's what was happening here with the nation of Israel is they were, they were serving two masters, God and Baal. And uh, he said, you're, you're between two opinions and uh, now you need to choose who you're going to serve. All right. In this particular uh, in event here on, on Mount Carmel, we're going to see three different displays. And uh, let's look first of all tonight at the display of foolishness. The display of foolishness. <coughs> so, so Elijah gives them kind of the rules and uh, lays out this contest that's going to take place. Basically, uh, the God that answers by fire, that's the true God. Okay. Well, verse 25, so Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, the 450 prophets, uh, you choose, choose you one bullock for yourself, dress it first for your many. He says, I'm going to let you go first because I'm a nice guy. And there's so many of you, I want you guys to have first pick. So choose you one bullock for yourselves and dress it first for your many and call on the name of your gods and put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given them. They dressed it and called on the name of Baal. Now, now notice this, from morning even until noon. Now morning, I don't know exactly what time that is. I would think 6 a.m. Uh, in the between 6 and 9, uh, would be considered morning. And, uh, and so they, they spent at least three, four, five, perhaps even six hours calling upon the name of their false god. Okay, that's, that's a long time. And, and before we get critical of that, can I, ask the, can I ask myself the question, when was the last time I spent an hour praying to the true God. 
You know, we're, cri- we're critical of them for uh, giving that much devotion to a false god, but how much devotion do I show to the one true God? And so I ask you that question too. Not in judgment, but as a fellow brother in Christ. Hey, these people are very devoted and very disciplined and very sacrificial in their worship to a false god. How sincere and devoted are we to the one we know is true and right? A convicting thought um, that I wanted to share with myself and with you. And so they do that. Uh, They spend all morning long calling upon their false god. And, uh, and, and here's, here's what they said, O Baal, hear us. I mean, just constantly, over and over and over again, chanting this, chanting this. But the Bible says in verse 26 at the end of it, but there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. And as I read that, I think, isn't that kind of dangerous? I mean, if you really are expecting your God to provide fire there, why are you jumping on the altar there? <laughs> Aren't you in kind of like fire zone? Uh, That's, to me, not the smartest thing. And, of course, these people aren't the smartest. Uh, They're not the sharpest knives in the drawer. A few fries short of a Happy Meal um, doing that. Well, verse number 27, and and, and I like this because it shows the the, the relatability of Elijah. He's like us, you know. Um, He's sitting back watching, and and the Bible says... um, it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them. And so he's probably over there kind of leaning against something and arms folded, just kind of watching. Maybe he has some popcorn. I'm not sure what he's doing. But he's watching them do all this ceremony and this devotion, this ri- these rituals that they, they did in their religion. And he's watching and he's kind of shaking his head. And the Bible says he mocked them. So we, we know that there was a sarcastic tone to his voice here. As, um, and so for those, those of us who uh, sarcasm is kind of our main point of humor, we would relate real well to Elijah here. And he said, uh, hey, maybe you should uh, cry a little louder. Cry aloud, for, for he is a god. Either he is talking or he is pursuing or he is in a journey. Or peradventure, he sleepeth and must be awaked. And so Elijah was having some fun at their expense and uh, he, he wasn't trying to be serious and giving them some real options. He was making fun of them. Um, and uh, by the way, I, I do want to say this. At, in verse number 27, it says, And it came to pass at noon. So still, at noon. Now, here's, a, here's an interesting thought here. The prophets of Baal believed that Baal was the god, the god of the sun. And uh, this, they believe that Baal rode on thunderclouds and sent down lightning. They believe that he had the power to control the weather. And so they thought, hey, this is an easy challenge for Baal because, you know, he could probably just send down some lightning and, and, and torch this uh, sacrifice and, and uh, consume it. The, the only challenge is, it's kind of ironic that, uh, that this all happened because Baal, again, they thought Baal was the God of the sun, and, and uh, he could control the weather. Um, the, the problem was, where was Baal these three years during the drought? 
I mean, if they really believed in Baal, why would they still be in a drought? I mean, if Baal was real, wouldn't Baal bail them out? Sorry for the bad pun. Uh, but I did work on that all day today for you. You're welcome. Uh, but Baal did not bail them out, okay? Um, and, uh, and yet they trusted Baal to cause fire to come down and consume this, uh, this sacrifice, and it didn't happen. And at noon, when the sun was at the highest, when it was at its brightest and the hottest moment of the day, they thought, okay, we'll wait till noon, and for sure at that point, Baal will uh, come through for us. But once again, he did not. Well, verse 28, as all this, uh, after Elijah kind of mocks them, Excuse me, in verse 28, the Bible says, well, they cried aloud. They got louder. So it was at first, uh, oh, Baal, hear us. And then after Elijah makes fun of them and mocks them, then they say, well, maybe it's worth a try. (laughs) Maybe he is on a journey. Maybe he is sleeping. Maybe he is taking a nap. So they cried louder, oh, Baal, hear us. So they ramped up the intensity of their rituals. And the Bible says they did so much that they were willing to cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them. So, and I I realize that, you know, in our culture today, we do have uh, young people and even adults who uh, cut themselves as they they self-inflict themselves with injury. Um, we, we can trace it back here to uh, idol worship, idolatry. Um, it's not a godly thing to be cutting ourselves. It's not what God desires. I mean, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We don't need to be cutting ourselves. Um, now, we all, you know, those of us who uh, work around the yard and the house and stuff, we end up cutting ourselves inadvertently. That's different. Um, that's just because uh, we... Are careless or whatever, um, but people who do it intentionally can be traced back to um, here in First Kings chapter eighteen after false worship. So they um, they ramped up the intensity of their ceremony, and and uh, verse twenty eight also tells us this, and it shows us that sincere faith. I mean, these people, I believe, really believed that Baal would come through for them. And they were genuine, and they were sincere, and they were devoted. Like, they really believed this. But it goes to show that sincere faith and sacrificial faith does absolutely no good if it's not in the right object. And, uh, and here they're sincere, and, and a lot of people in our culture today say, you know what, you believe what you believe, that's great, but as I just think that as long as you're really sincere in what you believe, then God will, uh, you know, be good with that. I'm sorry. God was not good with these sincere false prophets who were genuine in their belief. They were sacrificial. They were devoted. They were determined. Uh, much more than I, I am. Uh, but they're... Great faith 
uh, was, is only good, our, our great faith is only as good as what our faith is in. And uh, their faith was in a false god, and, and Elijah's, of course, was in the right, uh, the one true God. All right, verse number 29, came to pass when midday was past. So let's call it about 3 p.m. here. They prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded. So all day long, these people gave themselves their energy. They even gave their blood, sweat, and tears uh, to try to see this happen and to no avail. Silence in verse 29. Neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded. So we see the display of foolishness here. But then number two, uh, we also see a display of faith. The display of faith in verse number 30. So Elijah's like, okay, okay, okay. Enough of this. Enough, enough, enough. In verse 30, Elijah said unto the people, come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And it wasn't just the prophets, it was also the people of Israel. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. So Elijah here repairs the altar of sacrifice. And this was a place that God's people would come and sacrifice before the Lord. To symbolize the fact that one day Jesus would be the ultimate sacrifice for us on the cross of Calvary. But this particular altar was broken down it was needing to be repaired how sad that the place of worship there was in disrepair and it was really a symbol of the entire nation that was spiritually broken down and in need of spiritual repair so Elijah uh, repairs the place of worship once again and of course, we could go back to what I mentioned on Sunday morning about the importance of the place of worship in the New Testament era, the local church. And uh, we could spend some time on that, but uh, you're here tonight, and I'm glad you are. And thank you for making the local church, the place of worship in the New Testament era, an important thing. I realize that you can worship God on the lake, on a boat on the lake. I, I understand you can worship God anywhere, like I know the church isn't a building. I get that. But there is something very uh, biblical about assembling together. And you cannot deny that if you read the book of uh, Hebrews chapter number 10. Um, so there is something about assembling together and serving together and worshiping together and giving together. And uh, we can't do that if we're just all virtual online. Um, so that's a, a different aspect to the sermon. Um, we'll we'll kind of leave that there. Going back here to First uh, uh, Kings 18. So verse number 31, uh, or verse 30, he repairs the, uh, the altar. And here's how he does it. Verse 31, Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. And then here we go in verse number 33. He put the wood in order, 
cut the bullock in pieces, laid him on the wood, and said, Fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And so they did. And then in verse 34, and he said, do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran round about the altar. He filled the trench also with water. And then verse 36, it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done these things, all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. And we'll stop there for a moment. See, Elijah had faith, and he believed that his God was able to do this. He had great faith, just like the prophets of Baal did, but the thing, the difference was he had faith in the right object. And Elijah had this faith, and he knew that God was able, so much so that he wanted to be sure that everybody knew that it was God who did it. So he completely saturated the sacrifice with water. Now, if you recall, they're three years deep into a drought, there's, there's no water really around. Now, there is some water around. Um, in uh, verse number 40, there's a Brook Kishon um, that's around, and there's also a sea a few miles away from Mount Carmel, and perhaps that's where they got the water. Um, but he made these guys go and get all this water and do it the second time, do it the third time, and they did. And, and uh, just so that... He, wanted, he didn't want anyone saying this was some magic trick. He didn't want someone going, oh, this is just a bunch of sleight of hand. He put a little, you know, a uh, little flame there underneath that we couldn't see. Uh, Elijah wanted to remove all doubt that it was indeed the Lord that did this. This does bring up a thought about how sometimes we think we need to help out God. I think of Abraham and Sarah. Remember God promised that they would have a son? Well, they got tired of waiting, and, uh, and the thought perhaps came into their mind that maybe we need to help the Lord out a little bit. So Sarah says, hey, why don't you go spend a night with Hagar, and uh, we'll help God out a little bit because he's just taking too long, and maybe he needs our help. Elijah said, I don't want to help God. I want, to, I want it to be all the Lord because I want him to get all the credit, all the glory, and for everybody to really without a doubt, know that it was God. So that's why he did the water thing. Um, and uh, it was part of the presentation. I imagine he thought, he thought this through. Um, and uh, he knew that this was going to be kind of a big presentation. Uh, a reminder that we have seen already in the last couple of weeks, that Elijah went through chapter 17 before he got to chapter 18. Okay, Again, I know a super profound biblical truth there. Um, he lived through 17 before he gets to chapter 18. But uh, the, reason for, the reason I bring that up again is because, again, he had to learn lessons in his faith of God and how God was going to provide for him. The, the lessons that he learned in chapter 17 helped him as he faced what he was about to face here in chapter number 18. Okay, So here's the encouragement for us. 
let's learn the lessons of faith that the Lord is trying to teach us now so that we'll have the needed faith to deal with what God has in store for us down the road. Individually, and I'll say this too, as a church, I believe the Lord has some things for us down the road here, and we're gonna need, it's going to require some faith. So we better be learning the lessons of faith right now so that we're ready to have the faith that we need down the road as God brings us into different situations. Um, it was the disciples who prayed this in Luke 15 and verse number 5, increase our faith. That's a great prayer to pray. Um, and uh, the Lord did increase Elijah's faith in chapter 17 so that he was able to uh, have the faith necessary um, for chapter 18. Um, we, don't, we don't like to exercise. I, at least I don't. I'm not a big fan of exercise. Um, I don't get up in the morning going, and some of you do. That's disgusting. I'm, I'm looking at you, Jen. So you, you, you like to run. That's disgusting. So <laughs> Does anybody else like to exercise? Get, get right with God right now. Okay, Brother Tom. Okay, Brother Bryce. Yeah, I knew. We have some people needing revival in this week. No, that's great. I'm glad you guys do. But, but I know exercise is not anybody's favorite thing to do. Um, I like playing hockey last night. My son, Mark, wanted to play some hockey in the driveway. And I didn't really want to. But if there's any type of exercise I like, hockey definitely gets me a little interested in it. So uh, we went out and played some hockey. And I'm a little sore already uh, from it. Uh, Elijah had to exercise faith in chapter 17 so that he had the faith muscles to flex in chapter number 18. All right, so we see the display of faith, but then finally, number three, we'll wrap it up with this, the display of fire. Anybody guess that one? Nobody guessed that, that third point there? Maybe you did and you're just not running. Raise your hand. That's okay. The display of fire. God displayed his power once again in verse number 37 as uh, Elijah prays. And by the way, his prayer was much shorter than the prayer of these, uh, these false prophets. They prayed for hours and hours and hours. And Elijah's prayer probably took about 20 seconds. But that's all it took. And uh, verse 38, here's what happens. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is the God, the Lord, he is the God. And that's what Elijah prayed in uh, verses 36 and 37. He said, I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be about you and that people would know that you are God. Uh, that's what he prayed twice, once in verse 36 and once in verse 37, that, that people may know that thou art the Lord God. And so the Lord answered prayer by sending fire down and by causing people to know that the Lord is the God. The Lord, he is the God. He is the God. Verse 40, Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal 
let not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. And there was a great slaughter that day of the false prophets of Baal. Um, here we see, <coughs> excuse me, here we see God's uh, power on display once again. Uh, David declared uh, regarding the great power of God in his prayer after the offering was given for the construction of the temple in 1 Chronicles 29, uh, verses 11 through 13. Let me read this for you. Here's David praying to the Lord, and in his prayer, he, he mentions the power of God. He says, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. And it's not there, but I would just simply say amen. Um, he talks about the power of God there. As we uh, think about God's power in creation, uh, I just want to bring up the stars again. Um, mainly because hockey season's starting this week, and my favorite team is the stars. No, that's not the main reason, but it is a coincidence. No coincidences with the Lord, but anyway. Um, when it comes to the, the stars, here it is. Scientists claim that there are at least 100 billion, not stars, galaxies. Okay, we are in what galaxy? The Milky Way. And it's not just a candy bar, it's an actual galaxy that we reside in. It also is a good candy bar, too. So 100 billion galaxies just like the Milky Way in our universe. Mind-boggling. Okay, get this. And each galaxy is made up of about 100 billion stars. So if each galaxy, there's 100 billion galaxies, and each of them have about 100 billion stars in them, so you take in your calculator, and if you have an iPhone, you have to turn it landscape-wise. You can't do it portrait. To get 100 billion, and you multiply it by... 100 billion. And the number you get is 1E22. <laughs> That's the number that I get on my iPhone. What that means is there's one with 22 zeros behind it. That's how many stars there are in the universe. And God created them. And here's what the Bible says about God's creative aspect of the stars. Here's, here's all the Bible records about his creation of the stars. And he made the stars also. I mean, we, we go, we're, our minds just are like blown with that number of stars, but that's all the Bible records. And he made the stars also, like no biggie. You know, like today, and Eric got dressed. Like, that's not a big deal. I mean, it's a big deal. Believe me, it's a big deal. But, but, but you know what I mean. It's, it's like just a, 
it wasn't anything for the Lord to create all those stars. And the Bible says this, too, about all those, you know, one with 22 zeros behind, that number of stars. The Bible says this, too, in, in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 26, he calls each star by name. Wow. And I know you can name a star. You can pay to have your, your name on a star, you know. We don't need to do that. God's already named it. So it's a waste of money if you want to do that. Um, he made the stars also. That's the power of God. That the, I love the words of one of my favorite hymns, How Great Thou Art. Stuart uh, Hine wrote this uh, hymn, and, and he, he, he wrote it after hearing a powerful storm in the mountains of Poland. And I don't know if it was equivalent to a storm that we have here in Oklahoma. So uh, we, we, we don't necessarily know how strong this one. But, but it was a powerful storm. And he said, O oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars. And I hear the rolling thunder. Thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. And so we see the power of God on display here once again. And, and may that power of God uh, encourage us to trust him. Because if he's powerful enough to cause fire to come down from heaven. And consume a, a, a sacrifice and the water and the wood and the stones. Powerful enough to handle what you're going through right now. And by the way, he was also powerful enough to meet the greatest need that we had, which was salvation and forgiveness of sins. And he had the power to meet that need through his son, Jesus. And so we can trust him with the other things that are lesser than our greater need, greatest need there. A couple quick thoughts and we'll, we'll be done tonight. Verse 24. Uh, go back to verse uh, 24 here. The Bible says, and call ye on the name of, the, of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, notice the next word there. What's that little three-letter word that starts with L and, write, and rhymes with met? Let, okay? Let him be God. Okay, here's the deal. We know that Baal is a false god. We happen to believe that the God of the Bible is the only true God. Okay, if that's true, then here's what Elijah says. And here's what the Word of God says. Let him be God in my life and in yours. We would all say, yeah, the God of the Bible is the true, the true God. Okay, well then allow him to be the God of your life. Submit to him. Allow him to lead you. Allow him to be the God of your life, the Lord of your life. Let him be, allow him to be. And then in verse number two, or 21, going back all the way up to pretty much the beginning of the passage that we were studying tonight, right? Elijah came unto all the people and said, how long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, and we would all say he is, then what are we supposed to be doing? Following him. If the Lord be God, follow him. And we know the end of this story. We know how it ended up. 
that, that, that the God of the Bible is the one true God and he's the one who answered by fire. So the people then needed to follow him, but hey, not just those people back in 1 Kings chapter 18, but we, the people of Cornerstone Baptist Church in 2021, we need to follow him. Okay, fast forward to the New Testament. Somebody else said the word follow. It happened to be Jesus to his disciples. And he said to follow me and I will make you to be fishers of men. So my question to us tonight is, I know we all know that the God of the Bible is the true God. We've all, as best as I know, have all placed our faith in Christ and we're all say we're all followers of God, but are we followers of God? Are we good followers? Are we faithful followers? And, and are we allowing that to cause us to be fishers of men? So tonight, with those thoughts in mind, let's have a word of prayer, and uh, then we'll look at some prayer requests. Lord, thank you for this uh, very dramatic, very exciting, thrilling event in the life of Elijah and in the Bible. Uh, Lord, uh, it must have been something to be there on that mountain to watch that all happen. And Lord, for you to show yourself like that was pretty remarkable display of power. Lord, a lot of lessons we could uh, highlight again tonight in this prayer, but I pray, Lord, that you would just take the thoughts that we've heard tonight, and I pray that you'd help us, that you would apply the right thought to each person, um, what they need tonight, and uh, I ask that uh, you would help us to, you know, we've heard the word now, we need to go do it, and I pray, Lord, that you would help us to implement and apply these truths to our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, let's look at some prayer requests very quickly tonight.